I think it's really a student's prayer since the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them to pray. He, he gave this, this prayer to them as a pattern to use. Uh, one of the disciples in Luke, the prayer is found in a couple places. We're really digging into Matthew 6, but in Luke, one of the disciples had been watching Jesus pray all the time, constantly. And uh, so he, he asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And then at that point, Jesus said, pray then in this way. This is a pattern for prayer. These aren't the exact words we're to pray every time that we talk to the Lord. But sort of like a template. I'm the kind of artist that I really need, if I'm going to draw anything, I need a template to draw the outline first, and then I can fill in the rest, sort of. I do my best. But that, that's, that's what this is. This is a template, the outline, the categories in which to pray. There is a lot of instruction in it, in, in what Jesus is telling us here. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven. This reminds us that we're part of a bigger family. Um, God responds to our prayers out of who he is. He's our Father. He, he made us. He, he brought us into his family. Those of us who've turned around and committed our life to follow Christ as Lord, he, he brought us into his family. And so he responds to our prayers. This, this really helps to realize that he is responding out of the fact that he is the father of many, many people. So, you know, we don't pray for our own advantage. We realize that he's responding. He has bigger issues and concerns that he's, he's working through. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. So we pray our father. Uh, prayer is a conversation with our father at a heart level. Uh, the best motivation for prayer is a love for God and a love for the people that are around you, that God's put into your life. So Jesus says, start out, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Um, this, is, this is how we tune in. Hallowed means uh, that you, you want to honor or glorify. And to do that means that you give the proper weight of significance to the person you're hallowing. And so to, to hallow him, hallowed be your name. To hallow his name is to give... The proper weight of significance to his name in, in our lives, in the way that we go about our lives. So Jesus shows us to start out in prayer. Now many times, what do we do? We start out in prayer, oh God, help me. And that, that's okay. That, that's really okay. When we need help, God wants us to call on him. But Jesus, in this template, this outline that he gives us, he's showing us to start by focusing on the Father by focusing on praise and thanksgiving. That's, that's, Psalm 100 says that's the way you enter the presence of the Lord, through the gates of thanksgiving and the courts. You enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. You enter his presence by honoring him. And so Jesus shows us to do the same thing. This is where Jesus shows us to start, is, is with praise. This is how we tune in to who we're talking to and get connected in him in that, with him in that way. Next, Jesus teaches us to connect with God by setting our heart on his purposes. In Matthew 6.10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now, by putting this first at the very beginning of this pattern for prayer that Jesus is using to teach us how to pray, uh, he shows us that God's glory and kingdom are of more consequence than our wants. That's what one guy said. His, his kingdom and his glory are more, more important than our wants, just what we want. Love, as I said, is the major motivation behind effective prayer. A love for God, a love for the people in our life and the people in the world beyond those that we know. The first part of the Lord's Prayer here, the student's prayer, we'll say, is an expression of our love for God. Our Father. The one who, who brought us into his family, even those of us who turned and committed our life to him, e- even when we had run and we disconnected from him by living our life independent and not really being concerned, even though he made us not being concerned about what he wanted and how he wanted us to live. Even then, he made a way for us to become his children. So he's our father. Hallowed be your name. Honored be you, Lord. Your kingdom come and your will be done. You see, the focus is on him. And Jesus taught us in uh, John 14, 21, that obedience is the way that you prove your love for God. So Jesus is showing us at the beginning of this prayer to set our heart on him and doing life his way, and doing things his way, and, and go after that. <clears throat> so Jesus teaches us to do that, to pray and set our heart on God and his purpose for our lives. Now, prayer was puzzling to me, I have to admit, until I realized this, this aspect of prayer. I'd grown up in church life, I prayed for many things, a lot of things that I wanted that God said no to. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't allow me to have those things. That was confusing to me. And if, if you were to ask me whether or not prayer worked, if I were to be honest, I would have said, if I, I would have had to say no. It doesn't work because it doesn't get me what I want. So how can it work? <laughs> it doesn't really help. Um, you, you may have felt like that. There may be some things that you prayed about that God said no to. And I, I know there have been. Um, you, you may have wondered. But when I began to make a shift in my understanding of prayer to it's not about getting my way, it's not about getting what I want, but it's about setting my heart to do what God wants and to fulfill His purpose with my life. Boy, it began to make a lot more sense. God says no, and I don't know. He's the Father. He's, he's, he's in charge of the universe, and he's, he's running the universe. And there's my wishes, there's my way, there's the stuff I want. And God's factoring that into his entire purpose for my life on the grand scale, for this country, this world, this universe, on the grand scale. When I began to realize that it's more important for me in prayer to set my heart to do his will, then it began to make sense. It, that, that really helped me. So there, that, that's what I mean. There's a lot of instruction in Jesus' template here as he's teaching us how to pray. Uh, if you understand this about prayer, you're less likely to throw a fit when you don't get your way. You're like a kid in a grocery store. 
you know, you, you try to avoid the candy aisle, but you have to, you make a mistake and you take them down the candy aisle and they're wanting the candy and it's not the best for them, so you're holding, you know, and they throw a fit. And, and we can do the same, the same thing. We, as, as God responds to us, we get upset because we did, our way made so much sense to us and it doesn't make sense and there's a lot of mystery in, in God's answer sometimes. But as you, as you take your concerns to him, as you take your prayer before him, uh, and from his responses, you can learn about him. If you'll keep pursuing him, if you'll stay after knowing him, even when he says no, you, you can understand, you can learn about him. If, if you're considering a commitment to Christ, you haven't yet got to the point where you've committed your life to follow Christ as boss, and as Lord, if you're considering it, this is what it means to commit your life to Christ. You, you turn around from living life your way, and you give your life to do God's will, to do life His way. And boy, then life begins to make more sense. Because you realize, my life is not about getting what I want. My life, God put me here, He made me, and He put me here for a purpose. And my life is about fulfilling that purpose on this earth, wherever God put me. So this is what it means. You decide, when you commit your life to Christ, you decide to live for his purpose. So Jesus teaches us to pray that same thing. God, not my will, but, but your will be done. So we learn in this that our prayers play an important role in advancing God's kingdom. Jesus says to pray, your kingdom come, Matthew 6.10. Much of Jesus' teaching centered around the kingdom of God. He, he said it's here and it's coming. He said, he, he said two things about it. Uh, it's here in the sense that the king had arrived. And, and those of us who ha, ha, have chosen to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus begin to experience the benefits of the kingdom. So it's here in the sense that we can have the benefits of the kingdom of God right here and now if we let the king rule our lives. And to the extent that we do that, we experience the benefits of that. Um, it's coming, the kingdom is coming in the sense that it will only fully be realized when he wraps up history and makes things right. So we're, we're tweeners. We're in between the times. You know, it's, it's here in the sense that we can get a taste of the kingdom, but it's coming in the sense that one day he's going to wrap up history and everything is going to be made right. And we're going to live on in that kingdom for eternity, those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. So for now, here's a, here's a description, I believe it's on your listening guide, of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is his rule in the hearts of men and women and the influence they exert on the people around them. We enter God's kingdom by making Christ our king. We, we submit to his rule in our life, and we're, we become kingdom citizens. Once we're a part of his kingdom, we begin to pray for its advance in the lives of people. That's what Jesus tells us to do. We're to pray for its, its advance. Once we make Christ our king, we have a key role in extending the kingdom. This becomes our life objective. 
if, if we really understand what it means to turn around and commit your life to follow Christ, then we, our life objective becomes to extend this kingdom in, in our own lives, in our own understanding of the king, and then in the lives of the people around us. And that's where, that's where it gets exciting. That's where life, there is life in watching God work through you to do that. And you can, you can let go of some of your wants and some of your way because you see the bigger picture of what life is all about. That's what God intended. So our prayers help it move forward, this kingdom. And as it moves forward, God's kingdom brings God's blessing. That's what you find. Wherever he's ruling, wherever the Lord Jesus Christ is the king, you find blessing. Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not a a physical kingdom, but it's a spiritual kingdom. And the good stuff in the kingdom is is much more satisfying than a fine meal. I I like a good steak. But after I eat a good steak for dinner, I'm hungry the next day. It doesn't last. The stuff in the kingdom lasts. And when, when this kingdom is realized, when Jesus wraps up history, we're going to experience perfect righteousness, complete peace, and an all-encompassing joy. But right now we get a taste of it. For now we get a taste of what's to come as we surrender to God's rule in our lives. Um, so these things, righteousness, peace, and joy, and, and other benefits of being in the kingdom, they advance in our lives as we surrender uh, to him, and, and as we begin to pray that the Lord Jesus help us to follow him and begin to pray that his kingdom would advance in the hearts of those around us. Another thing about God's kingdom is it's, it's about spiritual power. God's kingdom is about spiritual power. Um, 1 Corinthians four nineteen through 20 says, But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. This is Paul. Paul was a church planter. A church starter in the first century, and he had started the church in Corinth, and so he's writing them a letter uh, here, and he he's concerned because there's some false teachers that have risen up in uh, the church there, and he says, I'm going to come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. This is a test. Power is the test. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so you find here that power is a test of spiritual leaders. Do they have any? Are they just flat? Or, or do the, and, and the second test for the power is, does it pull you toward the right things? Is, is the power pulling you toward righteousness, peace, joy? Are you, as, as you're under their leadership, are you experiencing the right things? Are you drawn toward the right things? That's, that's a test of, of the kingdom. Because once you step inside, you begin, to, you begin to realize all the benefits and you begin to experience. You get a taste, anyway, of what they're going to be when it's realized. Um, and that may be for you. you if, if you're new to the congregation here and you just, you just come around, you, you can sense the blessing, the love, the joy, the peace. You, you get a taste of what it's like in that kingdom. And, and God's wanting to use that 
to draw you on in to his kingdom. One guy said, like the commander of an invading army, the Lord first takes possession of one post, then of another post, then of a third, and so on, till by and by the whole country falls by his hands. And this is the way it advances. This is how it is with God's kingdom. It advances today in one heart after another who surrenders to follow Christ. And as we work together to accomplish his purposes for our lives. So our prayers, it turns out, play a key role in advancing God's kingdom. Our prayers, first of all, make our presence count. God puts you in your circle of friends, in your family. He puts you at your work, in your neighborhood, at your school. He, he puts you there. And uh, wherever you are, wherever I am, we're on point for the kingdom of God. We're like a beachhead <laughs> that God wants. He, he put us at, at our job. There's more that, that's going on at your work than just the nuts and bolts of what you do. God planted you there, and he wants you to be a beachhead so that you can begin to pray for those around you, so that you can begin to ask God to work in their heart, to bring them under his rule, so that they can begin to experience the benefits of the kingdom. That, that's really what's going on. There's, it, it makes life an adventure as you find yourself wherever God put you so that God can use you for his purpose. We're on point. God puts you wherever you are as a kingdom citizen to extend his influence and the influence of his kingdom in the lives of the other people. Now, that, that's a privilege. That's, that's a perspective we can live with every day. Now, secondly, you and I can go places in our, with our prayers that we can't physically be. I, I can pray for my friends across this country who are serving him. I can pray for people on the other side of the world that are close to me that are serving God. We, we can be places. I can pray for my, my son and daughter-in-law in Fort Worth. They live halfway across the country. But I can pray. I can have an impact. I can make a difference in their life through prayer. And that's, that's God's intent. The next thing we see in, in, from this prayer is that Jesus teaches us to surrender to God's will and leadership through prayer. So we're to pray, we're to set our heart on his kingdom, his will, and we're to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, it's, it's easy to think that prayer is a religious skill that I need to improve on so that I can make a difference with my prayers. But prayer is a conversation with our Father that should help us get on the same page with him. That's what prayer is. It's not a skill. I used to think, oh, if I could pray better, or maybe if I prayed more, then I'd get what I want. I mean, that's really what was going on. But really, prayer is a conversation with our Father where we're trying to get, he's, he's trying to help us get on the same page with him, and, and that's our goal as well. One guy said, we assume that prayer is something we master like algebra or auto mechanics. It puts us, but, but that puts us in a seat of competence and in control. The heart of prayer is for God to get more control over us. And, and that really is the heart of it. You know, when kids set the direction in a the family, there's mayhem. You know, 
it's not great to eat cake and drink soda for breakfast in the morning. And yeah, whatever, whatever sweet stuff was handy, that's what the kids would want for breakfast. And in prayer, we admit that we're the kids. God is the Father. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One key role of prayer in our lives is to wrestle before God until we surrender to Him. To do what He wants us to do. To surrender to His will. Jesus showed us this. He's our ultimate example in all of this. Uh, the great thing about following the Lord Jesus is he, he doesn't ask us to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. And as he asks us to pray this prayer, he struggled himself with God's will. He, he struggled with surrender. In Mark 14, he has the Last Supper with his disciples. It's known as the Lord's Supper. And then just before his betrayal and arrest, Jesus went to pray. And he tells his disciples, sit, sit here. Well, he takes three of them with him, Peter, James, and John. And he tells them, you sit here until I have prayed. And the wording of that prayer kind of tells you that he had something to work out before God. He just sit here until I have prayed. Not, not sit here while I pray. And then you read and you find in Mark 14 that he was distressed and he was distressed and troubled. His soul was deeply grieved because he knew what was about to happen. Betrayal by one of his closest friends and the horrible death, the scourging, the death that he was about to die. And not only that, he was going to be separated from a relationship with, with his father for the very first time. He was going to be disconnected from God for the very first time. And so he is grieving over this. He's distressed and troubled. And he asks God to let that hour pass. He says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So he himself struggled before God in prayer. And then set his heart to do what God had, had assigned him to fulfill God's purpose for his life. Andrew Murray says, For our sins, he suffered beneath the burden of unanswered prayer. He, he moved on. Because he, he knew one of the purposes of prayer is to wrestle over things. Now, usually we like to present our best side to God because we feel like that's going to help us uh, get the right answer to prayer. But, you know, he sees right through us. So he wants us to be honest with him rather than complaining to the people around us, take, take your concerns to God and lay them before Him. I end up here many times and I get wound up about the way life is going, uh, how things are going to turn out. I, I get concerned. Um, I'm not sure what God's will is. and I don't know about you, but I can begin to fret and worry and think and um, take your pick for the area, you know, family, work, ministry, finances, decisions. I'm, I'm concerned. And boy, it's important to come to the place where I say, God, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but your will be done. You, this is your kingdom that matters, not mine. And so your will be done. 
Only God can advance the rule of his kingdom in the hearts of men and women. And so we pray for that. And, and one goal of prayer is to move from this struggle with what God wants to relief. When, when you move from struggle to surrender, then to relief, there is a settled peace in, in your heart and life. My dad uh, lived till he was 93. He, he was a lot of fun. Um, he lived till he's 93. When he was 70, we were going to go pick, pick out, uh, get him some shoes, or he was going to go shopping for some shoes, and it was a two-for-one deal. And he said, I don't, need, I don't need the second pair because I'm not going to live long enough to wear out the first pair. That's kind of, he's kind of matter-of-fact. He's just kind of, kind of a fun guy. Um, and so he, he only bought one pair of shoes. Well, it turns out he lived 23 more years. He wasn't quite sure how that was going to go. But um, it was interesting. Uh, my mom and dad lived with Cindy and I the last few years of their life. And he, he got sick, was in the hospital. It's pretty serious matters going on. And um, I remember one night I asked him, Dad, uh, how you doing with all this? And he said, I don't know, I've been trying to give it over to God, but I just, I'm struggling with that. I'm just struggling with letting it go. And uh, I said, well, all right, Dad, let's pray. I prayed with him and then, you know, uh, went back the next day. And I said, hey, Dad, how's it going? He goes, it's going a lot better. I've given it over to God. Whatever he wants. Settled peace. He, he had settled it before God and released it. If there's no surrender in your heart, there will be no peace before God. You, you, you need to surrender, and I need to surrender to His will and His desires. Surrender turns out to be the core of our worship. You find in Scripture, Romans 12, 1-2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Choosing to surrender to God daily. This is, this is how Jesus instructs us to pray as we pray. And we, we surrender to God daily. That changes our heart and our mind. Our mind is renewed and transformed as we get into the scriptures and we surrender to what God says there, to the instruction he gives, to the, the direction that he gives. We surrender ourselves to do what God says to do. And, and like a grain of sand in an oyster becomes a pearl. You and I surrender ourselves to God and his will and that turns into pearls when we prove that his way is best. His, his will is, is holy and acceptable. It's good and acceptable and perfect. And this turns out to be the way that you stay connected with God throughout your day. You surrender your will to him moment by moment as you face the ordinary decisions of at home, at work, in ministry, with your money, in your decisions, uh, there are many opportunities to say every day, God, 
oh, I'd like to let them have it right now. <laughs> but your will be done. What you want is much more important than what I want, God. I'm surrendering to you. Lord, I'd like to take this money and use it for something I want. But no, God, your will be done. Because that's what really matters. That's, that's what really counts in life. Um, if, if you say no to surrender, you disconnect from God. And there's opportunities. Following the Lord Jesus means you surrender once and for all. God, I want to live life your way. And then every day we have the same opportunity to choose to surrender or not. As, as we face the choices in our days. God, not my will, but your will be done. If you, if you refuse to surrender, you disconnect from God. This, this does as much as anything else in keeping our relationships healthy. Just surrendering to God's will. Because you're in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of a relationship. Oh, I want to do my will. I want my way. i got to win. i got to get this. But you say, not my will, God. In, in my marriage, not my, not my will. And my friendships or my work, my ministry with my finances, whatever it is, you hand that over to God. And this reverses our natural tendency to squeeze the life out of the people around us. Rather than manipulate them to do our will and get what we want, we surrender. That keeps things healthy before God because He's our Father. He loves us all. So He has the best interest of everyone at heart. And as we surrender to his will, as we step into his kingdom and surrender to his will, we experience the benefits of life under the king that we serve. There are some next steps that you could take, uh, if you'd like, that are in your listening guide. And one of them may be to memorize the first two phrases of this prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just to remind us to set our hearts on those things, his purpose and his will. And then secondly, another step would be to establish a pattern of asking that God's kingdom come in every part of my life. I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to, maybe, maybe that hasn't been a pattern. You've been more focused on your own needs and the things, and, and that's okay to bring those to God. But Jesus is teaching us here to, to add his kingdom as one of our concerns. And then um, maybe there's a specific struggle that you're having, that you're going through right now, that you want to surrender to God in prayer. You know, not my will, Father, but yours be done. Would you pray with me as we close? Our Father, we thank you for the help that you have given us here. Lord Jesus, for your instruction. It was so valuable. We, we thank you for it. And, and my prayer is, God, as, as we live, that we find your purpose more and more at the core of our, our being and that we ourselves would let go and release our own stuff and our own way and set our heart on you and your kingdom. Give us the help and the power to do this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.